Have you ever been in a situation where you're stepping up to your very first putt of the day and you miss it? Then the next thing you know, the rest of your round is terrible and you can't stop thinking about your missed putt. Then you miss another putt and then all of a sudden you're thinking about a bad drive you had, a poor upshot, a bad disc selection. Your mental game is just running wild and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Well, in today's episode of the Chain Clankers Disc Golf Podcast, we bring on Gavin Babcock, who has a fantastic mental game, and today he teaches us how you, too, can improve your mental game just like a pro does, and you can think like a pro out on the disc golf course and therefore shave some strokes off your game. It doesn't matter if you miss a putt. It doesn't matter if you have a bad drive. You're going to be able to recover. Gavin shares with us some of his top tips on how he has done that and how he has trained his mind in order to be better at disc golf. We also learn about how Gavin got into disc golf in the first place, how his fantastic wrestling career led him into a life of being a fantastic disc golfer, and what he has taken from wrestling in order to become a better disc golfer might just surprise you. Make sure you stay tuned through the end of the episode so that way you hear what Gavin's number one tip he would give himself if he could go back to when he first started playing disc golf, the number one mistake he sees new players make, and so much more. Thank you guys so much for all your support on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Thank you for all the subscriptions, all the ratings and reviews. We really do appreciate it. It helps us know what you guys want to see, and hey, it just helps us a little bit in the algorithm, which we definitely do appreciate. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com backslash chain clankers we've got a ton of good stuff going on over there links in the description below as well as check out all of our fantastic sponsors you support the chain clankers by supporting our sponsors without further ado let's fix our mental games let's get better at disc golf let's get gavin babcock on the radio waves right now hi i'm gavin babcock and you're listening to chain clankers podcast Alrighty, everyone, you saw him on lead card coverage. He's got a hot name right now in disc golf. Gavin, how are we doing tonight, man? Super excited to talk to you. Doing good, doing good. Thanks for having me on. Love to see you out there. It's actually funny. I was at DDO, and I, I came over to the Prodigy Tent and talked to you for half a second. Didn't even, I don't know what I was thinking. I think it's Quentin's fault. But anyways, uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, fun fact i i say half the people don't recognize me when i don't right fun fact i actually asked you you might even you probably don't remember this because i'm sure a million people ask you questions but uh i actually asked you if you had any soft pa3s because my buddy was looking for one and if you remember that conversation that was me (laughs) oh yeah yeah so yeah i i did a bad job of explaining that uh you were going to be our guest this week to Trent. Trent is kind of transitioning and taking over for uh, Horatio and his role right now in the brand. So I, I did a little bit of a bad job <laughs> explaining that before he went to DDO. I want I want him to enjoy the weekend with no stress and no pressure. So, but hey, let's talk a little bit about DDO first. You know, I mean, coming out there in the crazy winds. First off, you know, let's start off. Where where are you normally based out of? And, and you know, how was the conditions different at the Dynamic Disc Open compared to what you're normally playing disc golf in? Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm based at Altoona, Iowa, kind of just a little suburb of Des Moines, Iowa compared to Kansas, like temperatures slightly warmer in Kansas, but it's definitely like if it's windy here, it's windier in Kansas. But I was or have been just getting used to where we've been traveling on tour and stuff. So I've been kind of acclimated with the weather. So it's actually definitely, a, I mean, the wind is always, it's been at every tournament, but Champions Cup <laughs> but this year, it's been so windy, but um yeah, I mean, it really, really was just the the temperature versus the the wind. 
Yeah, I can. Uh, I walked around. I was there all four days and watched. And uh, yeah, it was pretty rough. I didn't realize that um, Saturday was that much windier. I guess I just was overall. It was. I mean, it was pretty bad. But yeah, man, it was a great time. I uh, felt for you guys, and it was. To be honest, it was nice to see the pros struggling a little bit, just like Quentin and I get to um, when, you know, it's windy all the time here in Wichita. So let's talk a little bit about Champions Cup. You said that that was not as windy as it was in Kansas. You had a fantastic finish at Champions Cup, really a breakout for you, finishing fifth. I think it was your highest finish. But you came into the event, the last event you played in, the uh, Open at Tallahassee, coming in ninth. So getting a top 10 and then coming in fifth and playing on that lead card, how, how what kind of feeling was that for you? Uh, it was very rewarding feeling i mean i've been putting in a, a good amount of work and uh and yeah it was just nice to have it s slowly start to start to show and um I, I felt like i'd been really close at a few events but then in florida i again i just was like so close to just really putting everything together and uh and i mean i, I think everything happened for a reason and i'm glad like the mistakes that i made happen in florida because then it just prepared me that much more to to be the first big one or kind of break out at uh, the one that mattered at Champions Cup. So that was, it was pretty exciting and good feeling to have. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you said uh, you were putting in the work. Um, what exactly? Could you go into a little bit of detail of what you were really focusing on? A lot of it was like just making sure my putt felt good. I switched my putt at Texas States this year, like right before the tournament, and uh, been trying to really find a rhythm with that. And I started feeling it. Um, a little bit at open at Tallahassee and Florida, um, because I Gannon Gannon Burr works with me on both like just backhand and putting. If I'm having any problems, I kind of switch to like his style of putt, where it's just very open, open body, and just let the long arm swing. But uh, yeah, we were just kind of talking stuff through and uh, kind of made a breakthrough with that. So I mean, being able to yeah hone that in, and then just uh, I changed my backhand form this year too a little bit. And it's still a much so a work in progress. So always just kind of trying to refine things there. That, that's kind of interesting that you mentioned kind of refining and changing those things. Last week, he, we had talked to Robbie C. Disc Golf. I don't know if you've heard of him or watched his YouTube channel at all. And, and he had kind of talked about how he played disc golf for, you know, five-ish plus years before even really realizing you can, you can change your form and change how you throw. And I, I want to ask you, you know, how often are you tweaking your form? How often are you actually doing a field work session on the road, recording it, and then changing what you're doing? Like how much time do you actually have to do those things? I don't know. I mean, no one's form is, is perfect. And so, I mean, even if it's just a, hey, record me like on, on this whole tee shot and kind of double check, make things or are, are, are like headed in the right direction and not digressing in progress. Or, yeah. Um, in, in changes and yeah, just being able to, I mean, always just try to spot. I know I don't throw the farthest and um, or even are like the most accurate, but I can be. So I'm just working on little things to make it more consistent. And, uh, and just, yeah, I mean, you, if it's just looking at the target for a little bit longer, just extending that reach back, not reaching out quite as far, just little things. And, uh, yeah, same with, same with the putting. Yeah. I, um, I too have been messing with my, um, backhand form quite a bit over the last few months. Obviously 
I don't have as um, high a pressure or big tournaments as you to play in. So my question kind of is just for, you know, me and for anyone listening that might be interested when you are making these changes, um, what does that kind of look like for the week? Cause obviously you're playing Thursday, Friday, well, not always Thursday, but Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now you got a little bit of a break, but are you, if you're making these changes, are you doing that at the, you know, like Monday morning, you taking Monday off? What does it usually look like? Are you kind of tweaking with that stuff? You notice something, man, my backhand was a little off. I kind of want to try this because I saw you said Gannon. I saw Gannon doing this. I want to try this. Maybe he comes worse with the other. How does it kind of look for um, even the pro level athletes to be making these adjustments? Like I would never try to fix something the day before a tournament. So like, I mean, and, and it depends on what I'm changing to, but if, if it is like a slightly uncomfortable change that like I need to make, I'll kind of work on it like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I just won't think about it Thursday and just play. And then, uh, and then don't worry about it during the tournament, obviously, and just get back into just like kind of that focused mindset where you're not thinking about anything else. If anything, after the round, maybe if like, oh, I was pulling them a little, just like go work that out just to make sure you're like everything, everything's still in line for the next day, but not actively working on stuff like the day before or during the tournament. Yeah, that makes sense. And and you definitely don't want to be in a mid-tournament trying to do something different with your form. Don't be that guy. I was that guy at one of my first tournaments. Uh, it was a two-day tournament. The first day did not go good for me. I mean, I was very sad. And so the second day I said, you know what? I'm going to throw discs I don't normally throw. I'm going to try things I don't normally do. And I mean, I guess it kind of went better. The score was better that day, but I mean, yeah, don't don't do that for sure. So, so one more question I got for you. I, I we're gonna start getting into your your you know how you got into disc golf here in a sec. But I, I want to understand from your perspective, what was going through your mind when you found out you were gonna be on lead card at the first major of the year in one of the most important rounds of the year? How are you feeling? Were you scared? Were you nervous? Were you thrilled? Were you like, I belong here. This is, yes, I finally, I've made it. Like, what were you feeling when you found that out? I mean, I was, I was super excited, obviously the first time ever on Jomez, but I mean, yeah, you just can't let, I, I think, I think with the wrestling aspect has helped in, in that way a lot of just being used to being in front of a lot of people. And like, I mean, it's it's all eyes on you when you're the one wrestling and just everybody and so just getting kind of being used to like that kind of pressure so i can like just tune out people um which is that was like i think that what helped the most and then yeah just just choosing to be excited about it not anxious and scared and i mean i mean i don't have to choose that i just that's naturally what i was feeling but just any like, oh, what if I, what if I did bad, whatever. I just kept any of those thoughts out of my head, just kept feeding, feeding positive stuff. Like, like, dude, this is like, you can, you can win this tournament. Like this is your chance. And, uh, and just kind of pumping my head up full of just positive reinforcement. Heck yeah. That's what, that's what I got to do on the regular, just to have a decent round around here or actually just in general. But, uh, yeah, I, I, just a comment, not really a question or anything. I played team sports and stuff my whole life, and so this has been really the only individual sport. So I could imagine the wrestling side of the mental mental game it can be very helpful because for me, I mean, I don't know about you, Quentin, but I struggle with, uh, and I'm sure many people do, struggle with keeping the negative thoughts out of my head just because I, I don't know. In team sports, you always have other people to lean on, right? Like a little bit. They can kind of pick up your slack. You obviously never want to be the guy. Um, bringing the team down but 
I could only imagine how much individual or like even like especially wrestling mentality. I know quite a few wrestlers. That has to be a nice nice help and a good uh, good thing to keep your mental game strong in these you know high pressure big big moments. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely a mental game. I think is what I would pride myself most on in in the disc golf game, rather than like a, a specific backhand or forehand or something. I, I honestly would. I would say my the mindset is the one advantage because if if you compare my skills to or like a handful of people like I mean they might beat me in that that area more often but I think I think I am yeah that's probably the strong suit that's awesome and there's definitely not a lot of people who are able to say those things so that's really really good so a lot of people listening to this podcast if they haven't heard much about your story before they're probably like wrestling what. I thought this dude played disc golf. So, so Gavin, how, how did you get into disc golf and, and what is this about wrestling? I, I guess I'll touch on the wrestling thing first. Uh, I wrestled for 15 years and was a part of a high school, high school team that won a couple state championships and senior year got second at state and then went on to wrestle at just a little D3 school in, uh, in Pella, Iowa. Yeah, so I wrestled for 15 years and I kind of got into disc golf when would it have been? I guess, yeah, my junior year of high school, I think, or maybe, no, so sorry, sophomore year. And anyway, it was a New Year's Eve party, and it was just a family friend suggested that we sign up for the PGA and play our first tournament in April. And so me and my brother did that, and it was like 40-mile-an-hour wins, and everyone was just struggling together. I remember taking like an eight on the, on like hole 18. It's like 1,000-foot par five. And, uh, and it was into like a ripping headwind the whole time. And I had like pros coming up like, like, Oh my gosh, you got an eight on like on 18. That's insane. Whatever. Like I took a 12 and like, it's, everyone was suffering together just cause it was so windy and the community was so nice and it made it very easy to just get hooked and keep coming back. Man, 40 mile ahead. What, what was our turn? We had a tournament like that at the beginning of this year, Quentin, and that was rough. I took, I think I took like a eight on a it's not nearly as impressive i took an eight on like a 270 foot hole so that was awesome (laughs) (laughs) hey me me too music city (laughs) actually though i had like three putts hit cage and roll ob it was so bad yeah it was it was fun but so oh my gosh Started playing your sophomore year of high school, and then, unless I don't know how to count uh, months right, like four months later, you signed up for your first tournament. That is pretty quick. So, were you feeling pretty good? What division did you play in in your first tournament? Rec. Rec. I played all of, yeah, I actually think it might have been my, yeah, junior high school. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I said that wrong. Um, But, yeah, I played rec the whole first year, and then intermediate the next year, advanced the next year, and then uh, open the following. So it was just kind of a one year at a time progress and my rating just kept making the jumps in the right direction to then like kind of be in that next division. So it worked out perfect. I, I really like that, that story for you because there's been so many guys and gals that we brought on the show before who are like, yeah, I played my first tournament in advance, realized it was too easy. So then I've been playing pro for the last eight years. And it's like, that is so unrealistic. I just hope that I can get to advanced one day. So like that, that's really cool. So like what were those milestones or or markers for you that are like, okay, yes, check. I did good enough. I'm going to bump up a division this year. 
Well, again, like I kind of just paid attention to the rating and, uh, and I, I mean, back then when you're an AM starting out, you really care about rating and just wanting to keep, keep seeing it just a green arrow and just keep getting points, but, um, or higher rating, but, um, yeah, the rating kept just like barely going up, barely going up. And then I want, I had an unsanctioned rec win. And then, uh, later that year at the end of rec, there was a huge unsanctioned tournament on a local golf course and the lowered the lowest division that they had there was intermediate. So I played intermediate and won that. And I was like, I was like, Oh, okay. And then, so like rating rating went up or like stayed the same over the off season. And, uh, and then just started playing intermediate and it's doing good, doing good. And then got uh second at an A tier at the Des Moines challenge. And and then by the end of the year, my rating was high enough to where I thought I could play advanced. And the first one of the year in advanced was an unsanctioned win. And uh, so all my amateur wins were unsanctioned. And then uh, by the end of the advanced, I think it was like 955 or something. Um, or maybe I got up to 970 by the end of advanced. Yeah. And I hit 970 and I was like, okay, I'm going to move up to move up to open and just start playing stuff around here. And then um yeah i think it was two years till i got my first uh open win just at a local c tier are you traveling full-time are you or touring full-time or okay and when is this your first season doing that yeah this is my first full year so i graduated college last year and uh in may and then headed out to portland oregon and that was the that was the first one last year and uh and then played everything from there on but this is the like all these tournaments at the beginning of the year and uh through california will be my first time like playing them going to you know let's say portland right going back to somewhere that you've already played before and i can imagine you know not only just being stressed of being on the road for the first time that's probably got to be a lot first and then to try and go play very competitive disc golf against the world's best competition i can imagine that's a tough time so are you almost looking forward to getting to that point of, hey, I played this tournament last year. I'm not the rookie on tour anymore. You know, I, I've been here. I've done that. I can succeed. I've, I've shown that I can have success. Are you almost looking forward to that point? Or is it just kind of like, ah, whatever, it's another tournament. I'm going to go do my thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it'll, it'll definitely be nice. But, like, I don't know. It, it almost is like uh, it's nice because I can – it just – builds a foundation for next year that all these tournaments so like, okay, I got this at this tournament last year, like let's improve on that. And so it's, it's like fun to just play these for the first time, ex- like expectation free and, in uh, in like that sense, but it's going to be very nice to the back half of the year, definitely revisiting the, the courses I played on the last half of last year and just be like, okay, like these are the problem holes. Like we need, obviously need a new game plan and just like be able to, correct off of mistakes from last year when you do get to these events and like you said obviously you've got you probably got um some of the holes you're thinking about that you're you're calling problem holes um does any come to mind and kind of how did you attack it last year and what is your game plan or what do you think your game plan is going to be when you get to those tournaments this year if you have any if you don't have any totally get it but i don't know if i have any like specific examples off the top of my head more so just like tournaments that I wasn't happy like with how I finished last year and like I don't know even like 
like I, last year I had a pretty, pretty deep, I think I, I don't know, I finished around like 27th at GMC. And at the time that was like my highest elite series um, finish. And I think uh, I had a super good round going coming down the stretch on hole 16 at Fox run. I, I tried to bite off too much. And like this year, like I would know that if I'm like really out of position, not to just force anything, pitch up to the mouth and then just trust that you're going to get up and down from like 340 or whatever it is. And so like, just, just kind of being smarter about certain holes and playing my percentages better and not trying to force sidearms. And I'm so much more confident in my bag this year that like, maybe, maybe it just adds a little confidence to, to my shot. That was maybe it was the shot last year, but I didn't execute just cause I didn't have the confidence in my bag. I, I do want to talk a little bit about that mental side, you know, educationally here that, Having that confidence in your shot and in your bag, how important is that? Do you think you're able to play a good round of disc golf if you're not 110% committed and confident in the shot you're about to throw? The confidence is everything because if you don't have confidence and you're, sec- you're second-guessing yourself, that's when those thoughts of like, oh, man, like it'd be like instead of, okay, I'm going to just like just smooth this out, just like hide your foot, perfectly see the line, just know you're going to hit it, everything's feeling good to just like oh man this kind of flipped up last time in the wind but i don't like how stable is it kind of i like calm i haven't thrown it without any wind in a while and then like you're like all right like let's throw it and then you just have these like bad thoughts creep in your head when you're not confident and it it's uh yeah but when you truly have this that you really trust and know um then then it's yeah it's a game changer what have you had to do to find that confidence in your bag or in your plastic are you switching molds are you i don't know for example say kevin jones throws this disc all the time are you like okay he loves this thing i've got i'm kind of on the fence about it i need to figure it out or what exactly are you you know what are you doing to find that confidence in your your bag i mean they have to feel really good i think that's a big thing for me um, I mean, with all the new drivers and everything, I mean, Prodigy's has some great stuff coming out and, uh, and they just all feel so good in the hand and just getting reps in it's, it just makes it easy to easy to trust or just like, yeah, this year, I think it last year was a lot of, like, I, I kind of had a few holes in my spot or uh, a few holes in my bag and, uh, yeah, it just was kind of a little difficult at times where like it was just an uncomfortable shot to throw and just kind of making the disc work where now I, I just have a a perfect lineup. Everything feels comfortable. I've gotten enough reps in with all of them. I know I've been here. Trenton, you've probably been here. Gavin, you might've been here. I don't know. But when you're in the middle of a round, let's say you cage a putt, roll OB, kind of like you were talking about earlier, or maybe you airball a putt, or you just shank it left, shank it right, whatever, you you just throw something awful, or you miss a putt you shouldn't miss, and your confidence takes a little bit of a hit, what do you do to get over that mental hurdle of being scared, being timid, uh, not having that confidence anymore in your throw or in your putt? How do you get over that in order to go back to having confidence and being able to play the best that you can? I'm a big believer of just like, I mean, it, it's done and over with. There's nothing you can change about it. So like, why think about it? And, uh, but like, so any, anything bad, I just try to kick out of my head immediately. Just like, just get, I mean, there's no point in even having it in there. 
And uh, so you just kind of got to laugh at it, shake it off if something bad happens and just forget about it because you know what you're capable of. And you just have to like kind of uh, David Goggins, uh, Navy SEAL, he's motivational speaker, got a good book, but he uh, calls it pulling from the cookie jar. And so you just put all these good memories to to look back at or important moments to to kind of when you're when you are feeling a little down, just pull from the cookie like, oh, remember when I like hit this part, I remember when I was able to do this at this tournament and like, just kind of just pick those good memories and keep those stored away. So if you ever need to, you can look back to see what you have accomplished and kind of regain confidence quickly. Yeah, that's good stuff. I always try to go back to, I, when I practice, like sometimes my putt seems to be a little off and I, I practice like 15 footers quite a bit just to hammer out my form. And when I have a bad, you know, few holes of, you know, I miss putts I shouldn't miss or I'm releasing too early, so I'm hitting cage or whatever it might be, I try to tell myself it doesn't always work. Quentin and I have the same issue every once in a while. It doesn't always work. I always I try to tell myself, though, it's like you're in your garage putting, making 15, 20 footers. You do it all the time. Just do it right now. And so that's helped me a few times. So that's that's a great – I've never – I don't know that I've heard of the uh, the cookie jar reference, but that's that's a pretty good one. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that a lot. It's helped me, helped me quite a bit to just uh, keep an arsenal to that's useful to just pull from. Have you ever had any troubles with like getting too worked up, too emotional, too angry, I guess, out on the course when something happens? Like I know when I very first started playing, I literally had to write on my mini calm down because I was so disappointed and so mad at myself so often. Cause you know, new at the game, probably not that good. And you know, you do something silly. And so I would just get frustrated about it. I think I've come a long ways and now I don't get as mad or as angry anymore. You, you know, one of the tournaments I played recently, I, I just had some nasty spit outs and definitely a year or two ago, I would have been throwing a fit, but instead just brushed it off. Do you have any tips or advice for if you're feeling emotional, if you're feeling overwhelmed, angry, anything like that on the course, do you have any advice for how you can kind of get over that? other than maybe the cookie jar or is that the answer to that? I, I think the, a lot of it is uh, to, to prevent it. Cause I, I used to be, I mean, I think everyone at some point gets like that, but, um, but then when I played with people like that, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to be one of those people that gets angry or upset or throws fits. So I just like kind of laugh at it now, but yeah, I mean, you just have to think of everything in like a yeah super positive, like, like oh like this happened like this happened for a reason like okay good like maybe i wasn't meant to like get the birdie and be first on the box because now maybe you're like you can go go on this birdie run or like and uh and so you just kind of have to flip things to like you can always find a positive like something positive out of the situation and kind of kind of trick your brain and uh i think breath control too just taking the occasional like deep breath letting it out just close your eyes for a second um yeah and then also at the beginning at like my first putt i like place my mini down and just tell myself to relax and have fun and then uh and then throw the first putt and that's kind of like the send off of just a last second reminder very nice yeah i struggle that's a that's a great it's great advice i struggle i always have a little jitters and stuff on the first putt and generally if the first putt goes in i'm still working on my mental side but if the first putt goes in i have a pretty good round if the first putt is a pretty bad miss i, I seem to beat myself up longer than i should so that's 
That's great. But just uh, just because it's the most recent tournament and it was obviously a struggle for everybody out there, um, what did you? What were your key takeaways from your performance at DDO and kind of like what was the positives that you found in that in that tough environment in that tough situation and playing with you know the card mates and the people that you did play with? Uh, I think a weekend this weekend for me was just not not giving up because I mean it's like I I not a huge um, I mean, the courses aren't, aren't bad. I just don't really have a whole lot of fun at them. I don't find like just wide open golf to be super fun. And, uh, on top of windy to where you're throwing distance driver, almost every hole. And, um, so, I mean, I think this weekend for me was just, just battling and like never, never quitting. And just, I mean, g- genuinely giving every shot my all and not just like, Oh, this like this sucks or oh like I shouldn't have got that roll away and just kind of stepping up and firing a putt and then you missed the putt like just stick into my routine and just just trying to grind out this weekend um and and I knew right after I was going to be able to go home for a week and take a week off which I haven't had since beginning of February and so I um I just like trying to ignore the the fact of like heading home and just trying to stay focused on the tournament that definitely has to feel good and i i heard a little bit on the live coverage uh i want to say it was round two uh it, it just seemed as though the card was dragging a little bit the the intensity wasn't necessarily there the excitement all that kind of stuff wasn't necessarily there at least according to the the commentators live have you been in situations maybe even this last weekend where the cards vibe is just not good the energy is down and and if if that's the case how do you not let that affect you you know i feel as though people are definitely very I, I don't know the best way to put this, but you know how somebody else's almost feeling or the vibes and energy that they're giving off, especially in a group can almost kind of overcome the individual's vibes or energy. Like, do, do you kind of get what I'm wondering, what I'm trying to say here? Like, did you experience any like negative cards while in Kansas this weekend? Uh, not in Kansas. I mean, the, the feature card first round, like that's always going to, I mean, Mason Ford's the nicest guy ever. I mean, Ricky's, Ricky's nice. Chris is super nice, but just quiet. But like, I mean, I talked to Mason the most out of, out of the others because the others kind of genuinely keep to themselves. But, but yeah, I mean, no one on the card is super talkative. I think it is still, it does feel like that. Like, I, I, I know it's not a, like a lead card, but it still has those kind of like lead card vibes to it. And uh, so it was a little more serious that day, but then uh, next to, yeah, next to, days were were great i played with like zach melton dylan horst and Corey ellis day two and that was a super fun card zach's always a blast to play with and then i played with zach last day as well as uh it was zach myself and kevin Kiefer, and that was that was honestly one of the more fun rounds just because i mean we were we were hitting middle of the fairway get up roll 130 feet and like and we were all just struggling together, but they're great people and like keep good mindsets about things as well. And so it was, it was funny to just like laugh at things that were out of our control and, and a fun group to play with. Yeah. Well, Hey, if you don't mind, we actually did get some fan questions for this episode. I'd love to kind of transition into that. And, and one of them actually comes from one of our good friends of the show, Zach Melton wrote in and, and he asks you, why is Zach Melton your favorite player, Gavin? <laughs> oh, because this reason right here is freaking hilarious. Oh my gosh, this guy 
he's unreal and he he has a way he has he has a way of being being like I mean, he's probably the one guy that's on everyone's good side just because he can joke with everyone and knows how to joke with everyone in their own respected ways. And he's, yeah, he's freaking hilarious and is just always, always a fun person to talk to and play with. And I, with my forehand, I love when he throws a backhand line or something or a backhand line. And I'm like, Ooh, I think I can do that. And it's like kind of a nice, uh, uh, forehand line reader. All right, and the next uh, – that's great. Zach does seem like a great guy. Never met him. I have never met him. But, uh, yeah, it seems awesome. He always seems to be having a good time. Okay, the next one is from Jabe Gonder. I hope I said that right. Um, how many aces have you bagged at the CC course? I'm hoping you know what that is. Oh, Central College course. I think I might only have two. I think I have hole, hole three and hole six. But I've chained out on like four or five other holes. Those old, we just have at the time had super old baskets. But yeah, I think those are the only, only two, maybe three and six. But yeah, two. Next question we got for you comes from T. Wester. If you were not playing disc golf, what would your career be? Probably in medical sales of some sort. I got a business uh, emphasis on like marketing degree and then, uh, uh, minor in music, but I planned on, yeah, just kind of going into medical sales and see where that takes me. I mean, I, I really didn't have anything that I was, I was like super, like that was the, probably the most excited like or thing I was like excited to do, but like, I mean, not even comparable to, to hear. And then you decided that disc golf sounded like an amazing idea and full scent on that. And I can't blame you one bit. Being in the business world, I wish I could play disc golf every day or every weekend. Probably not every day. That'd probably get a little exhausting. All right. Uh, the next question comes from Trey underscore Sills. Um, what weight class did you wrestle at? 138 and 145 freshman year and then went 52, 60 and then 170 my senior year and then all through college wrestled 197. Nice. I don't know a whole lot about wrestling myself. I know one of my buddies who was a larger dude, uh, he got into it, and he got very slim and very athletic. I, I don't physically, still to this day, understand how he dropped that much weight, but more more power to you guys. You guys are literal monsters out there. I, you never, And that's the funny thing is, you know, hey, kids, don't pick fights with people because you never know when somebody took wrestling and was good at it and can just absolutely trash you. So, you know, hey, that's, that's my piece of advice for this podcast episode is don't pick fights. Let's all be nice with each other. I got last fan question we got for you, Gavin. This comes from Cameron One with two N's and two C's. I'll let you determine where those ins and c's are how do you throw so far <laughs> i compared to other people i uh, on tour i don't i'm probably middle of the pack but pick someone that you would like to throw to that or throw like that throws far and try to model just model your form after someone you like and uh and just really like slow-mo yourself or video yourself and just like really break down like where's my arm compared to his where's my foot compared to his, like my foot's twisted this way, his isn't. And just kind of literally analyze everything and just it's trial and error reps and model after someone's form. I, I have a quick question on that. Do you think that form and just throwing and disc golf, like if you took somebody who's never picked up a disc before and you said, model my form exactly how I throw, how long do you think it would take them 
to be able to throw as far as you. Like, I'm wondering, I guess, like, how much of it is innate skill and how much of it can you just, by watching somebody, get as good at that aspect of disc golf, if that makes sense? Uh, I mean, it depends on their athleticism on top of um, just, like, how how much work they're putting in. Because, um, I mean, if someone's super athletic and they're just going to put in tons of reps, or tons of refs and then they're obviously going to get there quicker. But I think the, the biggest thing to, to actually speed this, I think you have to slow down to be able to speed the process up. A lot of people just try throwing like hard and try like, it's going to be like maybe a week of just like looking, looking in the mirror and just like hitting, hitting everything where you want and just really slow. And then you're going to be like walking up into it and then everything slowly gets sped up but you get the timing and everything at a slow pace and then you speed it up, speed it up and just keep getting used to feeling that timing at a faster pace. And, uh, and uh, I think the the process is, will be different for everyone, I guess, just depending on their skill and athleticism. Right. That's been, that's like my key lately has been slowing down and trying to be a little bit more compact. I'm like, I'm almost like six, three, and at the end of my walk up, when I would go to plant um, my right foot backhand wise, um, I felt like I was way too extended. And over the last like, I don't know, probably three, four months, I've been focusing on trying to not take as big a step at the end. And at first it messed up my all of my timing, but then I just really slowed it down. And lately it's gotten a lot better and I actually threw farther. I played hole 18 at... Um, Jones Supreme and I threw it further than I, I mean granted it was downhill I mean that helps a little bit but I threw it farther than I've ever thrown before and I feel like a lot of it has been me just slowing down and like you said just um, recording myself watching it you know back on my phone and uh, it's been great so that's that's awesome advice yeah you can always play it play it safe and just kind of slow everything down if stuff isn't feeling good and kind of it might be easier to detect the problem and last question I have on this, if you're working through something like that, you're trying to really change something in your form, should you set any kind of like expectation for yourself of like, okay, I'm going to have this solved in a week, or should it just be something that you're just working through and it, until it becomes natural? Uh, yeah. I mean, you can set little small goals like that, but I wouldn't get too fixated on, on like, like you can maybe try to set up a timeline and if it's not, then adjust the timeline corrected or correcting yeah, I, w- I wouldn't get too fixated on something like that. And uh, I don't know, I, I would definitely be more concerned on like the end goal and then just uh, trust the process and know that it's going to be trial and error and that not everything is going to, like you're not going to have a good day every day. It might take a couple bad days, but, um, and then also not like, like if I'm changing a putt or everything, like I don't get too focused on like, on where the disc is going. It's more on like, is, am I, am I hitting the correct spot and not really focused on like where it's going a whole lot. And, uh, and then once that like starts feeling good, then you can focus a little more on accuracy and hitting your angles from there. And, uh, and like same with putt, like when I changed my putt, like they, they're coming out different. I wasn't like, cause my aiming point stayed the same, but they're coming out different. And so I just had to, ignore where they're going and just knew that like, okay, these, these just keep like this new one. I keep like putting a little higher, the aiming points too low. So I just have to adjust, but just make sure those first few like feel good. 
what I'm hearing you is just don't get fixated on where the disc is going or what it's doing. Focus on your routine and kind of your mechanics. And as you start to feel more and more comfortable in doing what your what your end goal is, the the disc and what you're trying to do will just kind of come with it as you continue to work on it and refine and get the same timing and motion down. Is that that's essentially that's the gist of it, right? Yeah, I mean, because like if you're someone that was just like early releasing everything and then you fix your problem and you're like right on time, like you're with the way you align, like maybe you just start like grip locking them, but your form is actually correct. You're just not used to like, maybe you just have to realign. Like, you know, you're doing everything right, but the disc just isn't going. So then it's clearly like somewhere else, but like your form's good. So then maybe you just have to get used to realigning somewhere else and aiming. And so, yeah, if like if there's like a grip lock or or two or something, then I don't get super concerned because it's just kind of a part of figuring stuff out. Awesome. I love this, guys. I feel like a lot of people are going to be able to take some value out of that and hopefully be able to improve their game a little bit. So one more question I have before we get to the hot take is I don't know how much time you spent with Thomas Gilbert this last uh, tournament at DDO or saw his his caddy Cody deal at all. He's a pretty buff fella as well, just like yourself. So I got to ask, who's more yoked? Is it you or Cody? Oh, that that dude's huge. I'll never claim to be the biggest or, or, or the, the strongest, but, uh, yeah, I mean that, that guy's, that guy's ginormous. I feel like if you two, I would love to see you two play a practice round together, put that on YouTube. I feel like there's some awesome, you're a marketing guy. I feel like you guys could do some sick marketing with that. We could figure something out. Maybe get Ezra exactly, in there. Exactly. Exactly. The Buff Bros or whatever you guys want to call it. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. But hey, this has been a fantastic conversation. Let's get into the hot take. Gavin, what do you got for us? Men and women don't always need to play at the same course on the same day. I think if there's two courses that, uh, that it, it should maybe start to be a little more like flip flopped or. I know it would suck for some people because they travel with their significant others, but I mean, I like, I don't, it, it would be tough for that and like a big change for those, but I don't think there's, there's too many of those situations out there and it would just allow for more, more people in FPO and more people in MPO and just make the fields bigger, purses bigger. And uh, yeah, and just kind of get more, more action. Yeah. That's an, that's an interesting take. So I'm going to, it's fresh in my mind. So I keep bringing it up. So, so a good example would be, you know, have the, you would have the, the FPO start at Supreme and the men play or the MPO um, play a country club, like a DDO. And the tea times would be, you know, everyone, instead of having someone's tea off at seven in the morning, you could push them back to maybe nine thirty or 10, depending on how many people were there, but you could still tee off every 15 minutes. Yeah. And I don't, I don't always think it, I mean, I think a, a lot of them kind of just like playing in the morning and and then like having the afternoon to, to relax. But like, I don't think someone should always have to play like in the morning or always have to play in the afternoon. Like it should, everyone should get a chance to do everything. So even uh, we were talking to someone else about like that, that kind of factor and doing where like, like in, in golf where the last card, on the set or like if they tee off last like this day next day they tee off first and like how it gets like flip-flopped and so like 
cards stay the same for two days and everyone just flip-flops opposite times. And then day three is the shuffling of cards. Wow. I guess I've never realized that in ball golf before, but that's, I I actually really kind of like that idea. Cause let's say, let's say, let's say in the morning it's raining kind of like how it was for the women at uh champions cup where it was just absolutely downpouring. I think that was like day three or something like that. But then by the time the men got out there or even later on in the cards for the women, it, it stopped raining by like hole eight or something like that. And you know, wind or even in the summer, you know, once it kind of gets dewy outside, like I, I've really, I, I can get on board for that. And I also think that, Elite series events at this point need to be four rounds and have a cut after at least the third day. Um, because then I, I think it allows for so much more of that. You can have the two days of everyone's on the exact same card and it would give an opportunity for more people to be on lead card, Jomez card, those kinds of things. And oh, man, I really like that. That's an awesome take. Yeah, that's a, I like, I like that one too, I think. Let's uh let's put our chain clankers power and you know send it right to the top. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let me talk to let me talk to those in charge and they'll probably show me the door. <laughs> but hey, you know, you never know. But hey, again, I think hot take that was awesome. I really think that I and I think that's something that can easily be implemented. I, I don't think there should be too much. I think I think the tour over the next couple of years will get a little bit more standardized and hopefully with that we will see four round events every single time. And you'll see more. I think I, I personally like when there's two courses, you know, you've got two rounds on one course, two rounds on another course for a weekend. I think that also if able, you know, you have your open course, your wooded course, it really just gets so much better of the disc golfer instead of, oh yeah, I can throw 700 feet. So I'm going to win this tournament. So all those things, I think that's really good, but Hey, let's get into the ACE round If you're new to the podcast, the ACE round is the same five questions that we ask all of our guests. That way we can kind of learn a little bit more about them as well as get some awesome recommendations and tips here. So Trent, why don't you kick us off? What is the first question we got for Gavin? Yeah, so you are taking a beginner to get their first set of three discs. Um, What putter, mid-range, and driver are you suggesting they pick up? Assuming they throw right hand backhand, um, I would suggest them to get a PA3, a super popular putter, just whatever plastic that feels most comfortable to them. Um, and then I would have them probably get an M4, um, just a very workable point and shoot type disc. And then for driver, like kind of go like, is it like fairway driver, kind of just like the seven to nine probably, speed? Yeah, but. Whatever you would your choice. Yep. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll go. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I'll go. I'll go F five, because again, just very, uh, very workable disc. Help you learn your angles. Just kind of point and shoot, and very, very usable, especially at a beginner level. Yeah, those are really good. I have been putting with the PA3 for quite a while. I did recently just kind of switch to a, a maiden just because I, I wasn't really feeling it anymore. I wasn't feeling so confident, and I needed a placebo effect. I needed to take a sugar pill to kind of get me back on, on putting pretty good, I guess. What 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 plastic what plastic do you use for your PA3? 350G. Nice. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll have to – I think I have a 300. I think I either have 300s or 400s. So I think uh, maybe I'll try maybe I'll try a 350 and see if I can't get back into it. Second question we got for you: What is the favorite course you have played, and one course you have yet to play, but you want to cross off that bucket list? Honestly, uh, WR Jackson, 
and I, what's funny is I changed that on my UDisc player profile after the first practice round I got. I literally got got in town, played my practice round, got on there, and uh, and changed it before the tournament even started to my favorite course. So uh, I'd go WR Jackson and then the PCS Sula course. Um, I think I'm going to get ahead over to Norway now. So that's uh, super exciting, and I think that's pretty high up on the rankings in courses. Yeah, I've never – I mean, I'm relatively new to the game. I've never even heard of the PC. What did you say that one, the PCS Sula? Yeah, PCS Sula. It's in uh, Silver Series over in Norway in June. If you could go back in time, knowing what you know now, what would you tell your beginner self, or what tip would you give your beginner self? Play play your percentages, and uh, and a lot of beginners just try to power up, throw drivers, and just like – go for the hero shots or the, the ones they think they can get to make up strokes, but they're not good enough to execute that on a, on just a routine basis. So I would say just play the fairway, like fairway covered percentage and just keep chunking up the fairway as much as I possibly can on any like scramble shots or anything. I really love that. I definitely know when I first in Trenton, you probably feel this the exact same way. I mean, we are probably all three do definitely the first year it was, if I, I could not see a lane out of the bush that I was in, and I didn't care. I was full sending it. I was getting a scrape on the arm. I was hitting the thorn branch. It did not matter. I was going for it. And so playing smarter is going to inevitably help your game. You're good. And it's one of those things. Be upset. Be sad that you took your, your four or whatever, but don't make it a five. Don't make it a six. Don't make it a seven. All those kinds of things. Absolutely love that. Fourth question we got for you. What is your favorite memory playing disc golf? Honestly, probably Masters is a lame answer. I'll, I'll give a couple, but uh, Masters Cup just because of the experience and just the feeling from it, and uh, and it was just the most fun I've ever had at a tournament. And um, or this year, uh, Texas States is one of my favorite disc golf memories. Um, Andrew Marweed on like hole eight flicked in for birdie from like two hundred feet. The next hole, I flicked in for birdie from two hundred feet. And the hole after that, a kid on our card aced a 400-foot hole. And so it's like three consecutive holes that people th- had to throw in over 200 feet. Yeah, that would uh, that would be pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I got one ace on my bag, that thing right there. And uh, for honestly, didn't even think it was close. And then I hit the chains and started freaking out. It was nuts. And I've just been hunting for the second one since then. No, it'll come at super unexpected times. You you only have one ace, Trent? Yeah. What course is it on? Lakewood in Salina, Kansas, hole number three. And I'm going to say it because I can own it. It's from the short pad. Yes, it wasn't very long, but that's fine. That's an ace. Ace is an ace. I have 20, 22. Sick. Okay, I'll be, I'll be the middle guy. I'll be the mid-pack driver here. I've got four or five, I think. I think I... And, you know, I got, I got, yeah, I got two solid. and then I lost count, you know, you know, it's, hey. it's okay. It's pretty cool. <laughs> you got a, you got a tilt ace though. So that's oh, kind of I cool. do. I do have a tilt ace. Yeah. It's yeah. It was pretty cool. It was, uh, it, it was a throw. I mean, literally, I, I don't know if you've ever thrown a tilt before, but I mean, I literally had to throw it on the most just choppy Anheuser forehand there, there ever was. And it was going and it was kind of tracking and I, I took my buddy who has played with me a little bit over the last couple of year uh, since he's 
kind of moved into town um, and it, he's never seen one before. And so like, it kind of looked like it was tracking and then just barely nicked the tree. Cause the basket is right under this big guardian tree and you have to cross like hundred feet of water. No, definitely not hundred feet of water. Like 50 there's feet. There's a pond in that. there. <laughs> there's a pond. It's a, it's a, I'm a hyperbolized. There's a pond. And, uh, yeah, dude, it literally just barely nicked the tree, but then it went in. So we were both like, Oh, oh, is it going to do it to, ah, it's not going to do it to, oh, it did do it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was, it was pretty cool. It was definitely the, one of the most fun aces I've ever had. Oh man. Okay. Sorry for interrupting guys. Trent, go ahead with the last question. And, uh, all right. So the final question is what is the biggest mistake you see new players, uh, make? Uh, disc selection, I would say is probably the number one of just not knowing what to throw in the wind um thinking they can get a mid-range there just like how they throw like what disc they throw into the green kind of just just a lot of yeah a lot of disc selection in like all areas of the game kind of and just like what to throw what speed how the wind's gonna affect it and a lot of the time if they just selected a better disc it's not that they necessarily threw it wrong it's just that it was a bad disc selection and uh and a lot of times people can think that the, the problem is like their form because you're new and you don't think you wouldn't think that you chose the right disc. You're like, what? That should have done that. But like from someone that has like a little, or just people that have more knowledge, just outsiders like, Ooh, why do you throw that? Yeah, that makes sense. That's definitely one that can trip up a lot of people. And that can literally be the difference between getting your birdie and putting for double bogey or something like that. But hey, Gavin, man, this was so much fun. Loved getting to connect with you. Loved learning a little bit about your background and, and just how you've become a really good player. And hopefully, and I know it's going to happen, a even better player out on tour for many years to come. Where can people follow you on Instagram, connect with you, learn more about your story? Where can people do that at? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, just my name, and then Instagram at Gavin Babcock 7 and in my bio has all my sponsors and a link tree to any other social medias or anything you could possibly be looking for. I actually had one more question. I forgot my, my buddy's a big prodigy fan. And, um, he asked me to ask you what your favorite mid range was and what plastic type favorite mid range and what plastic type, mm, probably 400 M4. Yeah, I would say four four hundred M four because you can find flippy ones, stable ones, and uh, and even like the four hundred spectrum. Uh, just all of it. There, there's just so many different good uh, varieties. Awesome. Well, hey, there we go. Thanks again, Gavin, for coming on the podcast today. If you guys have enjoyed this episode, if you've enjoyed our conversation with Gavin, make sure you leave a like rating if you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching on Spotify, or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, drop a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear from you guys over there. Make sure you follow Gavin on all of his socials and continue to follow his journey. We've got new podcasts dropping every Monday, new YouTube videos every Wednesday. We'll see you guys next week.